It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a 2004 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. He's a four-time Sporting News NBA Executive of the Year, a two-time Olympic gold medalist as Managing Director of Team USA. In 1968, he became the youngest general manager in professional sports, and then, three decades later, was integral in the formation of the WNBA. He is, of course, Mr. Jerry Colangelo. Mr. Colangelo, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Kyle. Nice to be with you. So, Jerry, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to some of your earliest years, before your resume was quite so giant. You're really, you know, just a suburban Chicago kid trying to get to college from a blue-collar family like so many people. Can you talk about the way Chicago Heights and your upbringing shaped the Jerry Colangelo that we would come to know? Uh, Sure. Um, You know, I I give so much um, credit to the upbringing that, uh, that I was actually blessed with because it was a working class community a lunch bucket uh, community. People worked in steel mills and textile factories, and um, people in the neighborhood didn't have much, but whatever they had, they were willing to share with one another. And so I think the very foundation of uh, who I became started in that neighborhood with, you know, family, hard work, commitment, uh, passion, it was just the way things were, and uh, being born just before the war started, World War II, and actually remembering some of those experiences because of family members who were um, in World War II and losing um, uh, a cousin and losing and having others who uh, served, uh, it was real. And so... Um, I look back on that upbringing at that time and place and feel very fortunate that I had that experience. It's remarkable indeed when you put it in that context. And then, of course, it even helps contextualize the next question that I'm going to ask, which is after playing your college hoop at Illinois, um, you were hired relatively quickly by the Chicago Bulls as a marketing director, scout, and assistant to the president. There are two ways I can imagine this going. One is you were so struck by this incredible opportunity that you thought life couldn't get any better. Or two, because of the things you had learned, you know, in the neighborhoods of Chicago Heights, this was just the taste that you needed to get you really, really hungry for the next rung of the ladder. Are either of these accurate, both or neither? Well, Kyle, I need to... uh just step back for a moment and, and give you a little, fill in a few blanks, which I think are important. And that is that um, at the age of seven, someone handed me a ball, a basketball, and I smelled it and it smelled the leather and, and it struck me. And it was the beginning of a love affair that uh, has lasted my entire lifetime. And talk about being blessed to be able to have stayed in the game um, my entire lifetime is, is an amazing thing. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to have some ability and was sought after as a uh, major league pitcher, potential pitcher. Uh, secondly, uh, 66 college basketball offers, and, and I chose Kansas to be with Will Chamberlain, 
Um, I was there a semester. He decided to quit school and, and sign with the Globetrotters and wait one year to be eligible for the NBA draft. And I transferred to Illinois. That's significant because I had name recognition in the Midwest, and it was enhanced by uh, a career at the University of Illinois. I point that out because three years after college graduation, having a young family and going to work in a business, that was my choice, uh, and playing semi-pro basketball for not much money, but it was it was some, $50 a game in a semi-pro league. I met Mr. Klein, Dick Klein, who was the guy who had the dream about bringing pro basketball back to Chicago. And it was because of that name recognition that it led to him wanting to have conversation with me. And uh, he hired me in his business, the incentive merchandising business. And for six months, we hustled trying to put a deal together to bring pro basketball to Chicago. That was in 1965. In January of 66, we announced the birth of the Chicago Bulls. And I was very fortunate to be in that position to be involved with the startup. We were the first expansion team of the modern era. And um, it was a very, very exciting time uh, being a Chicagoan, uh, being a very strong Chicago fan. my love and passion for the game, basketball, and to be a part of an NBA franchise was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And to be able to do it so close to home, that that has to just add to the impact too, right? Yeah, absolutely, because um, two years later, less than two years later, um, Milwaukee and Phoenix offered me the opportunities as expansion team uh, GM. And uh, I remember the Chicago media telling me, Jerry, you can't leave. You're a Chicago guy. You don't belong anywhere but here. My instincts were that it was time to move on. And uh, uh, we chose to go to Phoenix in uh, 1968. It was the next expansion. Um, when Phoenix and Milwaukee came in, and I, you know, we just never looked back. We just went to Phoenix and started a whole new life, so to speak, with a young family. And the legend, of course, Mr. Colangelo, is that you did so with a young family and only $200 in your wallet. Is, is, is that accurate? Was this really sort of the, the moment, of, the moment of, of just looking at your young family and saying, this is the move that will define us one way or the other? Yes, it really was. Um, you know, everyone has a story on how it all began and the opportunities that um, you might have had and maybe some that you passed on. But in our case, it was uh, it was pretty simple. Um, there was a great opportunity. Phoenix seemed very, very appealing because it, it was more like the Wild West. Uh, it was a, a small, growing city. Uh, back in 1968, there were probably 700,000 people living in the metro area. Bear in mind that today there's close to 5 million. So there's been incredible growth. Um, but it was, a, it also had 
a blank canvas for us so that whatever we might do or accomplish or seek to accomplish uh, would be uh, kind of our own painting. It wasn't following in anyone's footsteps, and, and that was very appealing. Sure. And so we just started our journey, and uh, one thing led to another. And, you know, having played, having managed, um, having owned, um, and having really been involved in every aspect of the game and, and the growth of the game, uh, bear in mind that the, the first payroll that I ever was involved with in Chicago in 1966, the payroll was $180,000 for 12 players. Um, just think about today yeah. and the average salaries of the incredible contracts that are being signed. But having been a part of the whole journey, um, it, it doesn't hit me as much as it hits an outsider, yeah. you know, who's just astounded by the numbers, if you will. Yeah. Um, but this game has grown in such a way, worldwide, internationally. Um, it's it's been a real pleasure to be to be involved in this great game, the greatest game of all. And I would like to ask you about that about that international experience because, of course, your work with USA Basketball has also coincided with the international growth of the game. Uh, do you, and with your two gold medals um, as well, do you think that there's a correlation between American international success and the popularity of the sport overseas? Sure, but Kyle, to to, to correct you, if I'm right, it's actually three gold medals. Oh yes, yes. Uh, eight, twelve, and eight, twelve, yes. and sixteen. That's right. Uh, you know, I was asked to take over USA Basketball back in '05 after. Uh, the Olympics in Greece, 04 results were not, were, were not very good for the USA. <clears throat> and in hiring Coach K to be the coach and the fellow alongside me, we, we had a goal and an objective, and that was to change the culture of USA basketball. And the first thing that was apparent is that we had lost respect worldwide. Um, the game was catching up to us. Um, internationally <clears throat> and so we needed to show respect in order to earn respect and you know just like building blocks you begin to do that and institute a new culture and um, you know we've we've had incredible success we've been blessed with great talent in in our country <clears throat> but there was a point in time back in 04 05 when um, players weren't that interested, and uh, we had to recreate something that was um, very interesting to the players themselves, and that all happened. Um, the game itself internationally, you look at the number of international players on rosters, um, it's going to continue to grow and grow because this is certainly a world of, when people talk about a world economy, all you have to do is look at pro basketball and say, this is it in spades. Um, you know, it's, it's a game that um, many, many countries have adopted as their sport. It's a number two sport in the world behind soccer. And so the NBA, in taking such an aggressive position on promoting and selling the game through television and cable around the world, um, 
you know, the game, USA-China game in 2008 in the Olympics in Beijing um, was the most watched basketball game in the history of the game, and it still is in terms of viewership. And so there is an incredible future for the game as big and as strong as the sport is today. Uh, I think there's an awful lot more that can be accomplished. And similarly, your work in starting the WNBA in 1997 also speaks to those new levels of accomplishment. Now, that's already 20 years ago, 21 years ago, which I, I still can't fathom that it's already been that long. And yet we see what the WNBA has become since then. And, and the fact that it is one of the most popular sports leagues in North America, bar none. Can you reflect a little bit on, on some of the early decisions that were so vital sure, in establishing sure. that? It just seems like a few years ago that <clears throat> I was sitting in uh, Commissioner David Stern's office in New York City, and um, he asked me the question, what, what do you think about a women's professional league that the NBA would, would, would start? And I didn't hesitate. I said, I like it, and I like it for the following reasons. You know, one of the things that um, that I thought was was a big factor was that the more interest in the game on any level, um, the better everyone everyone uh, gets the benefit of. And so when the NBA season back in the day uh, ended, there was a big lull period before we, you know, re-energized and went back to training camp, but months later. Um, the, the thought of the WNBA in exposing the game um, uh, that we felt the, the women were prepared and ready to have a league that would be um, be given the kind of stature and exposure uh, that it deserved. And it would give us continuity, basketball year-round, uh, so there wasn't any drop-off, so to speak. And so <clears throat> when, you, when you factored in all the, the positives, it seemed like... Um, a slam dunk, quite honestly, to, to go ahead. So we were one of the founding uh, members of the WNBA, uh, the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, we've won championships. They've had a, a very, very successful 20-year-plus uh, uh, run in the WNBA. And I think the growth of the WNBA justifies the, the thoughts that we all had uh, back in the day. And we are all thankful that you all took that step indeed. Finally, Mr. Colangelo, as someone who has served as chairman of the organization, can you reflect on what it means to be working with the Basketball Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? Well, first of all, um, to have been inducted into the, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame is as good as it gets, uh, no one really thinks about being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, there are coaches, there are players in a category called contributor, those who have made contributions that have been um, uh, thought of to be very substantial and are therefore uh, considerations for the Hall. So it was a tremendous honor uh, for that to have happened in my case. Um, and to 
to think about the game and what impact it's had in each of our lives. Every Hall of Famer has great stories about what the game has meant to them and the impact on their lives, their families. Um, and so to be entrusted to be part of the board and serve as chairman of the Smith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame has been a great honor for me. And it's trying to do everything we can um, to enhance the game in the history of the game um, and memorialize what people have accomplished during their lives and their careers. So it's been an incredible honor for me. He is a 2004 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a three-time Olympic gold medalist, a four-time Sporting News NBA Executive of the Year, and we could spend another 15 minutes just reciting the entire resume. He is, of course, Jerry Colangelo. Mr. Colangelo, thanks again for this time today. Thanks so much, Kyle.